down in Missouri when I heard this lullaby while the stars were blinking and the moon was shining high. Welcome to Shorter Missouri. This is Missouri, one county time. Today we're in Adair County. I think we're going to get a lesson in how to say that. We are joined by one of my better friends I've ever made cover politics. Former Representative Nate Walker, it is great to sit here and visit with you, sir. Well, it's good to be with you, Scott, and uh, welcome to Dare County. Love it. Uh, Representative Danny Busick, you took his place. Uh, I guess everybody was so glad they had an upgrade, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nate always represented us very well, and, very well. and uh, he ran for the Senate, and I just happened to be lucky enough to fall into his place, and so so great to take that place. You have one of those districts. There's that district in South Kansas City. Produced a lot of great folks. There's uh, the the Sedalia district split up. Sedalia split up now, but it always just throughout state history, Jackson, Missouri, has always for some reason sent good folks. It is a really great uh, legacy that you inherit representing Kirksville. It is a community that cares about state government. I guess with the college here, and it's just uh, I, I've always just known when folks from Kirksville they they just produce quality legislators. It, it's, it must be a great place to represent. Yeah, I really, I'm really proud of the fact that we do have the two schools here in Adair County that are just great. I mean, they're nationally known, and Truman State's consistently recognized one of the greatest values in the country. And and I've been involved with a lot of students here at Truman State, and I have yet to run into uh, one that I really didn't think was a high-class student. They just attract good students here and very good character. I'm you have to help me. I'm just a West Butler County hillbilly, so help me say this name right. With the Historical Society, Blythe Ellis. Blythe Ellis. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. And Mr. Larry Evans, also with the Historical Society. One of the first, uh, uh, you can trace your uh, ancestors right back to the beginning of the county, right? Absolutely. That's awesome. So we are here, if you want to know, we're in northeast Missouri. You take uh, Highway 63 up almost to Iowa, uh, Adair County. Formed uh, January 29, 1841, the 66th County Forum, cut out of Macon County, 569 square miles of northeast Missouri in uh, Adair County. It's one of those counties uh, like uh, the town of Bolivar was kind of named not really for Simone Bolivar, but for Bolivar, Kentucky, where the settlers came. If I'm not mistaken, this county was named for Adair County, Kentucky, which was named after a former governor of Kentucky, right? Yes. yes. It's interesting how you could just chart, and the Civil War really brought it to a head. You could go back and see how folks, uh, when they come through from Kentucky in the South, those places had a little bit more Southern sympathies, places where German folks came in after the of the Civil War in Germany, a, a very much a union thing. It's kind of interesting how you can look back to the state and, it, and, and it just really trace your ancestors. And it, There's a logic to it, right? It's not by happenstance. So folks came, I guess, up the river here uh, to get uh, from Kentucky and, and through the Cumberland Gap. How much of Missouri do you think comes from one generation they stayed on the East Coast, second generation they get to the Cumberland Gap, third generation get a little further west, and fourth generation they end up in Missouri? It's just an you could just chart it from entry points to the Cumberland Gap to Kentucky to here, Kentucky, Tennessee, the whole place. It's a, it's a the migration of this state really does follow that pattern. And then there's a chunk of Germans that just came straight through when they were railroads. But really, the migration for most of the state comes through that 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 area. Well, the rivers really helped, too, because it came. a lot of people came down the Ohio River and then came up the Mississippi and then came to Missouri. And one of the central parts was called Little Dixie. And uh, that's where uh, 
Larry's relatives first were before then they ventured on out. Right. My ancestors came first from South Carolina through the Cumberland Gap probably over into Tennessee and Kentucky and they stayed in Kentucky for quite a while and came on to Adair County and like Bytha said they followed the rivers. So. Where did they come over from? Uh, Ireland. Ireland. Connor. O'Connor and mm -hmm. Kane is the name. And so then drop the, the O. Yes. Now where do you live at now? I live uh, about That's four miles from Kirksville. Which, which side of town? South. South southwest. Ms. Uh, Ellis, how did you come to live here in uh, Adair County? Well, my family was in Macon County and came from Kentucky first. And then uh, when I was two years old, we moved up to Kirksville because there was better opportunities here mm -hmm. than on the farm. And uh, that's where my family is. Representative Walker, how did uh, you come to live here? Well, my family, the Walker side of the family originated in Virginia, then to Kentucky, and then settled in Macon and Shelby County. And uh, it's kind of funny because I raised my two boys in Jefferson City after spending some time in the legislature back in, in the 80s. And so after they were grown, graduated from high school, I decided I wanted to come back and farm with my brother and raise cattle, which we were been doing. And uh, being here too often was a little tough for my brother so he said, uh, I found a job for you up in Northeast Missouri, up at, at uh, Memphis with the Northeast Regional Planning Commission. I applied for the job and I got it. And one of the things that I had to do was live in, in one of the six counties. And so I lived in Memphis for a little while. And then Memphis was always a little bit farther away from where everything else in my life was, was at. And so uh, I moved down here about 15 years ago, built a house and lived here ever since. And then... Uh, Somehow I got back into the legislature and... Uh, Where do you live here from, let's say, downtown Kirksville? Okay, I live right on the southwest corner of the city limits of Kirksville. And uh, I live in a little uh, neighborhood called Weatherstone. And uh, interesting enough, uh, it's about a 15-year-old subdivision, 16. I had one of the first houses in it. And interesting enough, when I ran for the legislature, I ran against uh, my good friend, Rebecca McClanahan, and she lived just down the street from me. And uh, so it was kind of interesting because I could kind of keep up on her. And, you know, if, if she was leaving, I knew maybe I should be heading the same direction or well, something. Well, that subdivision had to be careful about them yard signs. Huh? Well, what I know. did, what I did, and this is, this is truth, I didn't want my politics to cause any bad neighbors or any problems. And so I walked around right after I decided, and, and I was in a, in a, uh, early election kind of process where Zach Wyatt had been the representative and he decided to, to leave. He'd filed and there was going to be a race between him and Rebecca McClanahan. And I just walked around to every door, knocked on their door, told them who I was, most of the people who I was and said, I'm not, I don't want, I don't care who you vote for. I'm not going to ask you to put a sign in your yard. I prefer you do not put one of my signs in your yard. And, uh, it worked out that way. I, I think there was one or two signs maybe for Rebecca in the neighborhood, but uh, we all got along, and uh, we have these little neighbor picnics in the spring and in the in the fall. And and uh, there's there's people that have different political persuasions than I have, perhaps. But uh, we have a nice little neighborhood, and it should be kept that way. Representative, how did your family come to live here in Erie County? Well, I, I'm actually from Sullivan County. I'm west of here. I'm about an hour west, and my family came from. They came to Sullivan County from North Carolina, but 
They'd only been there about one generation. Uh, for 180 years, they lived in Church Creek, Maryland. And I, I just recently visited there for the first oh, time back in August. Yeah, what part of Maryland? Where's Church Creek at? It's close to the Cambridge. It's right on the eastern shore of uh, the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, there's actually a little church there called Old Trinity Church, one of the oldest active churches in North America. And my grandfather, James Busick, which I'm James Daniel Busick, but uh, he donated the land for that church. And so we visited that church and the cemetery around there, and there's relatives buried in that cemetery. And, and so so we basically, in the history of my family, we've lived in two towns, basically Church Creek, Maryland, and Newtown, Missouri, And because so, we've been over there for 180 years. Uh, well, and, uh, as I read the history, don't always stop me now. If you if you can if you want to tell it better, I, I'll let you do it. Around 1828, uh, there was a list of folks: Tanner Myers, Isaiah Gross, Nate, Nathan Richardson, um, a group of folks. They settled about six miles west of here, west of Kirksville. Is that where they? Yeah, yeah. Folks folks came right. in? That was the area where the first, the very first settlement took place. It's now known. It's a, been designated as a historic state historic site. And uh, it's known as the Cabins Historic Site. And there's still a lot of evidence of the early existence there. The, one of the things is the uh, Cain College Cemetery, which where most of these early settlers are buried. Uh, there's also some buildings still standing and some of the Indian mounds. And uh, the Indians, of course, inhabited the area before the white settlers. And then as settlement moved up from the Missouri River up the Sheridan River Valley, the Indians were pushed farther and farther north. And uh, the government, U.S. government acquired their rights to the land, and then the whites were na naturally just moved farther north. So. Now, there was uh, the Iowa Indians did a treaty to stay north of here. And they decided to go back on it, right? They created what, what are they called well, the battle? Well, no, not all of them. Okay. You know. Most, most of them agreed. They, uh, but it was just one. It was just Big Nick. Yep. And he is the one that regretted that he signed, even though he signed. But they all went to Washington. They were all taken to Washington D.C. And um, they were pampered, you know. And this is one of the um, portraits that was taken. Oh, wow. They, they had their portraits painted. And I've got some other pictures of the other Indians. Their portraits were painted, and they were given uh, new weapons and clothing, and they were shown all around, you know, in Washington, D.C., in different towns, and taken to sporting events and all kinds of things to pamper them into getting them to cede the land. And most of them, they wanted them to take, to go, um, let's see, what was it, the Platte River? They wanted them to go on the oh, other wow. side, not necessarily north, because, see, Missouri used to, the north, what would be the northwest corner, was just straight at that time. And as soon as they crossed the river there, they didn't care. And they set up an Indian bureau, and the town is still called Bureau there. And uh, that they were supposed to take care of everything about the Indians then. Well, then Big Nick, but he decided mm -hmm. to come back down to yeah, Kirksville, he, right? he wanted to stay. Well, it wasn't Kirksville then, of course, yeah. and it wasn't wasn't even close, you know, actually, where they were following the Sheraton River, mm -hmm. and a very good hunting ground, and that's where he had hunted before, and uh, one interesting thing is that he painted his face black after he had been to Washington, D.C. and signed these treaties. He immediately regretted that he did it, and uh, because he said, I will, 
always uh, regret doing this, that I am, was going to give away the land that my ancestors are buried on and that I'm giving away the hunting ground. And, uh, and so his group of Indians started to be called the Pouting Party because he was always pouting that he, you know, he didn't like that he had given it up. And so when he came down in 1828, he would go back to Iowa um, in the winter, and then in the summer he'd come down here to hunt. He saw for the first time that there were cabins being built on the east side of the river, right. isn't that correct? And uh, it was the five families and one single man that you mentioned some of their names there. And uh, they were the ones that had built the cabins. Well, Big Neck knew that when Indians went somewhere, they set up teepees and they were temporary residents. But when he saw cabins being built, he knew that they were, you Here's know, that, yeah. yeah, permanent residents or what they wanted to be. And he knew that would ruin his hunting ground. And so he's, the, the legend is that he stood on the other side of the river and put his hands on his hips and said, cabins of the white folks, very disdainfully. <laughs> and so it was, it was really called the cabins of the white folks. And that has been shortened to just the cabins, and it has stuck for this many years. <laughs> so they had a and, pretty good fight, right? And Well, the first year was fine, 18. 28, isn't that correct? Right. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, they, I mean, they cooperated. The next year when they came back, when the Indians came back down the Sheraton River, um, they set up like right across from them, I from believe. The cabins. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of natural springs over there. And that was really good for both parties. And uh, so the first event that happened that set things awry was when they, the white folks smelled a hog being roasted. <laughs> and uh, so they knew that the Indians don't, they didn't maintain um, domestic animals, you know, in pens or whatever. Um, they had horses, but, you know, it was the white folks that had, you know, raised the hogs and cattle and stuff. And so they... Um, felt that it was their hog that they were they had stolen. And so they went over there and demanded that they pay for that hog that they were roasting. And, of course, the Indians wouldn't do it. And then so they, Big Neck and his people, started just tormenting the white people um, to try to get them to leave. They would especially scare their women. They would walk into the house and demand to food. And they would, they one time took one of the children and marked charcoal around the top of their head because that was their way of communicating that, you know, we're going to scalp you if you don't get out of here, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it went on for a while. And they would also demand that they give them horses. They would give the Indians horses. And, of course, they refused. And so it got, it got stirred up. And they got scared. Um, in one particular inst instance, it was uh, the My one of the Myers boys. Wife's name was Thirsty, not Thursday or Thirsty. It was Thirsty <laughs> was her name. 
kind of interesting, but they came into her house and um, they did it to her. They put this charcoal circle around her head. Anyway, she was, and they came with um, torches and uh, painted up. So and the war was on, right? They had, it was like they had declared war, but supposedly the Indians were just trying to scare them into leaving. So what happened is the men, they rode all night to get back, and this was, night, this was 1829 now, it's the year after they came. So that happens to be when Macon, when, no, when Randolph County was formed. So now instead of Howard County, we're in Randolph County. And so the head is, what's the? Huntsville. Huntsville, yeah. Huntsville, yeah. yeah. So they rode to Huntsville and um, organized like a militia to come up there and protect them from the Indians. And I think there was something like 30 men. I think so, under there. Uh, Dr. Captain Trammell, William yeah. Trammell. William Trammell the interesting was thing the I read captain. about is after the shots were fired, the Indians had been captured, Big Neck had been captured, Put them on trial, right? Well, now, yeah, that's a way long time. But just story. to kind of come to the end of it, they do. The, so the settlers win the dust up, and then the interesting thing I've seen—they put him on trial, right? Well, that's way on down the line. They, the, the the thirty men came up from Randolph County, and the Indians were gone, and they should have left it at that. But they had moved north, and they followed them, and they found them at Con what is now Connellsville. It wasn't Connellsville right. then. And that's where they had the skirmish. And there were four of those white men that were killed. And uh, it was because they tried to reason with them first, but one man um, shouted, you know, that Indian is loading his gun, he's going to shoot you. And that was one of the Myers brothers that did that. I think it was Jim Myers that did that. And, and he swung around and shot. And that's what started it. And... Uh, one really interesting thing, the Wynn, the man named Wynn, um, what was his name? But anyway, he was um, shot in the leg because he shot a squaw. And they put him sprawled out on the ground, staked him down, and put a fire on his chest. That was a special punishment for shooting a squaw. But anyway, um, then the men ran and and picked up the women and children at the cabins and went on back to Huntsville and to Fayette where they then they came before. back with a bigger force, right? Then they came back with yeah, uh, and the governor ordered Leavenworth to send a force of like two hundred back up to, and they found where you know, the people had been killed, and they buried all of the Indians and the people there. But then they sent the Indian agent to look for Big Neck, and they finally found him in um, southeast Iowa. And they brought him down the Mississippi River to St. Louis, and then over to Fayetteville, and they were in prison for three months before they had a hearing, and they were treated very badly, him and some of his men, and uh, until he was in poor health. And then when they tried him, they found out that the white man, Jim Myers, had shot first. 
So they acquitted him. The Indian agent took him back home, took him and his men back home to Iowa, to where his other people were. And, uh, but he was just a broken man by then. But he did go on, and he died in another skirmish with some other Indians shortly well, after that. As time went by, um, after, after it seemed like that was... Um, somewhat of an end to the Indian issues here, right? Then you had uh, the Black Hawk War didn't really come down this this particular far. Uh, and about that, after, similar when they got things settled, they decided to make this a county. Uh, was, Megan County wasn't a county. You weren't in Megan County that long, mostly Howard then. Uh, so the legislature decides to make uh, make this a county. And as, as is typically the case, uh, they set a county seat committee Together, uh, Jefferson Collins from Lewis County. That's from Clark County, and you had Thomas uh, uh, Farrell from Monroe County come. And it's interesting; about half the county seats in Missouri weren't even towns; they were platted as county seats. Someone would donate the land and put it here, and that's uh, that's how this came about. Uh, then I found it was an interesting thing as as you read through they, uh, they, they the governor appoints the three commissioners to run the county as well. Um, Samuel Easton, Joseph Ringo, and John uh, uh, Monroe, and then the first courthouse they put was in uh, um, twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, they were a thousand dollars, which is like an interesting thing. Imagine building something for a thousand dollars a day. Um, it was meant to be a temporary place, yeah. though, and it wasn't even on the square. It was off the square. It was that very first courthouse? And then I remember they built a one-story brick building for twenty-two hundred dollars in 1852 that Face Fire took out. Right. Yeah, that was the two-story one. And then uh, lasted for uh, 30 years, so 1865. Um, and then they uh, then they did another one that was a 30, 30 years. Then in 1896, uh, the courthouse that everybody, if you're, if you're from this part of the state, you've probably seen it. It's got the great statue of Dr. Still. Um, for uh, 47000 this time in 1896. No, it wasn't 1896. It was 1898. It was started to be built. It might have been, they might have passed the uh, yeah, bond then. Yeah, and it was completed in 1899 and they moved in like in April. Yeah. And I've been in it. It is a beautiful courthouse. And it has been really, I guess just now, maybe, I'm sure there's been many renovations, but uh, explain what's happening now Okay, we had a bond issue passed uh, a little over a year ago, and uh, basically the county commissioners did a pretty good job of selling it, along with community folks, and uh, they're going in and spending a lot of money to restore the building and to to bring it up to uh, modern times. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that they did is they're they're putting in-ground heat source, and uh, I think right now the county collector... And the county clerk is outside uh, in a temporary location, and they're renovating those offices. And then they're going around and making sure the building is stable. And uh, they had to cut down a few trees because the trees were infected with some kind of a disease. And uh, when you go around it right now, there's a fence around it and and that sort of thing. But the three county commissioners uh, assessed the situation and knew that if they didn't do something fairly soon, this building would be beyond repair. And we have other counties up here in North Missouri, Northeast Missouri, that have lost their courthouses because they waited too long. 
And so the bond issue is, is uh, in process. And my understanding is uh, they've got a phase, different phases. And once the building is completely done the way they want it to be done, then the bond issue will, or the collection of money will, will cease. It's a tax. It's a tax, yeah. It's, it's a, I forget if it's quarter a sale quarter of a cent sales tax. But one of the things that I've noticed in Adair County and Kirksville in particular is if you meet with the, pe the public, the people, the citizens, and explain the situation, they're pretty apt to make good decisions on as far as what we want to do. You know, you have four-lane roads here from St. Louis or Kansas City or from Jefferson City up here. And a few years ago, people like Harry Beard and other people uh, worked with the Department of Transportation and got a cost-sharing process established. And now the road is actually named after her from from Adair County line to, to Kirksville. But uh, when there is a need, this community steps up for it and so forth. And so having four-lane road was very important for the success of, of AT Still, but also uh, the... Uh, uh, Truman State University and so forth. And, you know, there's, we haven't talked too much about a lot of great people that have lived in this community, but when you stop and think about all the people of different fields and different backgrounds that have contributed to this community, it's no wonder that we're pretty successful being in Northeast Missouri and, and having a, a great educational situation, pretty good economics, because we have plenty of jobs for, for the people that live here. And Adair County, Kirksville has kind of become the economic hub over, over time, sure. uh, you know, and then it's kind of the place where people can come and get better supplies mm -hmm. if they want, uh, you know, more different types of groceries or whatever. But we're pretty self-sufficient up here, and then agriculture continues to be a big, big successful venture here, and we have lots of great farmers and, and everything else. But, you know, we're going to, we just got a new transmission line uh, basically built, and the citizens got involved and, and decided that uh, they wanted the line to not be uh, going through some property that that uh, would have hurt the property. And so they worked out a deal with Ameren and, and uh, using existing right-of-way that the rural co-ops had and Ameren had. And uh, now we have high transmission lines, and now we're going to have, perhaps the largest uh, uh, solar panel farm, which is just south of town here, that's going to be like 1,200 acres or 1,400 acres. So whatever we do up here in northeast Missouri, Kirksville is a big part of it because it's a medical hub. We have a good hospital. We have uh, good educational facilities. And it just, it just helps keep us more viable. And as you know, rural Missouri – has to has troubles because sure. our populations aren't as great, and uh, but the forefathers uh, set a, a strong foundation, and and we've had good generations of people to come and and uh, be good leaders and make good decisions. Well, you and so go out to Chesterfield and folks will come in and invest money, but I found in rural Missouri we copied in Butler County exactly what y'all did for '63. We did '67 the same way. Um, you for us, we got to invest in ourselves to get other people to come in and. and it's a it's a different thing and, and you really have to you gotta be careful what you get into but you gotta you gotta make those investments in your community or, or ain't nobody else can come do it yeah and, and and with this Kirksville paid a big part of the the road but they probably had uh, more to benefit 
but most of the little communities along the way and also the corridor of 36 did the same thing. Uh, they, they, they taxed themselves uh, to, to make sure we have good, good safe roads. And uh, I'm sure that it saved a lot of lives and, and also enhanced our ability to promote economic development and uh, to enhance the university system here. Let's talk about Excuse me, I might interject here also, going back to education, it's one of the, maybe the only or at least one of the few towns, cities in the United States where you can go start school in kindergarten and get a medical, a DO degree or a dental degree. Now just stop and think about it. How many even large cities yeah. can it's go to and get a medical degree or a DO Right, and when we started the dental school here a few years ago, when they had the groundbreaking, it was dignitaries who were there. The governor was here and different people. But the whole community showed up. I brought about 12 shovels. I only went home with three. But uh, everybody, little kids, had a shovel. And, and, and awesome. they poured some sand and some dirt out there. And everybody was part of it, just not the, the, you know, the top political hierarchy people. Let's talk about the battle. Uh, before we take our break, I want to thank our sponsors. Missouri Farm Bureau, Missouri Association of Counties, Missouri Association of Electric Co-ops. Let us come to places uh, like Adair County and Kirksville and talk about the rich history of the place. When I think of the history, I always think of the Battle of Kirksville. Um, you know, when I was reading, slavery existed here, but not to a large extent. I guess uh, you get some hills or something, maybe not the same roll crop. Uh, but you did have a lot of folks that, that came from Kentucky and had some uh, Confederate sympathies. Now, this is the way I read the Battle of Kirksville, August 6th through the 9th, 1862. You know, I think they've been chasing Colonel Porter a long time, right? They've been, uh, the, the U.S. government had been chasing that old Confederate, and he had a mountain numbered, but maybe not out-supplied. Like, they had a 1,000 trained supply troops. Colonel Porter, maybe not so much, right? Well, he was just um, recruiting. Yeah. So, and he was getting ready to take his troops to Arkansas to be trained. So, you know, we're farmers up here and everything, and they said there were about um, 2,000 recruits, but only 500 of them had good uh, guns and ammunition, and another 500 were kind of armed, but not really, and the rest of them, 1,000, didn't have anything at all. But when the Union came in, they had the big guns. They had the cannons and all the up-to-date things because they were and they were already trained and even though the confederates had taken over the courthouse and they should have had the advantage in a way but they couldn't you know compete with cannons and there were a lot of cannons wedged in the rafters of the courthouse when they tore it down the historical society has one that's awesome so the way i read it was that uh when they heard they were coming, they hid in the houses in the courthouse and kind of tried to ambush them. Then they retreated back to a fence mm-hmm. and kind of made their last stand and didn't didn't, didn't come up, right? No. They chased them clear to the Sheraton River, and they crossed the Sheraton River. What was the town? Mm-hmm. I can't uh, remember the town. Was, was, was it Seas Crossing? I'm not sure. Well, I read where anyway, this was where they, Colonel McNeil really... You could see maybe he wasn't the best fit to command. He, uh, it was customary that after you caught a prisoner, if they signed an oath not to fight anymore, they would be released. But the Battle of Kirksville, he killed 15 people, right? Which is a questionable court-martial. Yeah. 
And then, then he went to Palmyra and just massacred people. Yeah. yeah. And but it was partly because they had signed one before, and they had went okay. back on that. And that was well, one of the reasons that he shot some of them. You had to stay, once you signed, you had to stay on the farm or wherever you were from mm-hmm. and not regroup up with, with, yeah. a, with an outfit. And so we had, a, we had a Civil War reenactment of the Battle of Kirksville, what was it, about seven, eight years ago here. In, there was two. One was not very successful, which was over in Sullivan County. But the one here we had here in uh, Rotary Park, and it was very enlightening and and uh, and so forth. But that was one of the things that they st- they stressed that uh, if you signed the paper, you were free to go home and live peacefully. But if you kind of figured out a way to get back with your group or another group, and you were caught the second time, yeah. they had a firing squad. And they, I mean, it was like almost point blank. It wasn't like twenty feet a yard away. It was pretty close. And they were buried in a mass grave. Plus the people that were killed in the battle were buried in a mass grave out at Forest Llewellyn Cemetery, which is only two blocks from the courthouse. Well, now we're going to take our break here show Missouri. This is Missouri One County time. This week we're in Adair County, and we'll be right back to talk about the colleges here and, and uh, the business community in Adair County today after this. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the Missouri way of life. We're for worrying less about the what-ifs and more about the why-nots. We're for checking off your bucket list and then making a new one. We're starting a family, a business, a tradition. And if you find yourself starting over, we're here for that too. We're for building a life in Missouri and then going out and living it. And when it comes to making sure everything you've built is protected, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered for life. Welcome back to the show in Missouri. This is Missouri One County Time. We're still here in... Uh, Adair County with Larry Evans, Historical Society person. Thank you for sticking around with us. Sure. So, Blinda Ellis, thank you so much for sticking with us. Welcome. Representative Nate Walker, thank you so much for sticking around. Thank you. And Representative Danny Busick, thank you so much for staying with us. Representative Busick, where do folks work here? What, what's the what's the economy like? If you're if you want to move back home, where do you work at here? Well, they have uh, some plants here on the northwest uh, side of Kirksville. Adair Foods is a big employer. Uh, there's uh, Several industries here in town that they do. Of course, they have a lot of businesses here in town, the Walmarts, the Menards, the Home Depots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very much a regional hub, as Mr. Walker said earlier, that uh, even as far as I live, an hour away and even farther people come here to shop quite often because they do have many things. Uh, because it is a relatively rural area, and Kirksville is one of the few areas that's, well, it's really the largest town in northeast uh, Missouri, and so so there's a lot of good business here. Uh, they have a very good airport here, probably one of the most progressive airports in in northern Missouri, and so they keep that very good. And so so there's just a lot of industry that that brings people here, and they they do work here. So uh, tell me, there's a co-op service here. What what kind of, what's the power at here? Uh, Ameren has the 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 contract here. I don't know if they have all of Adair County. Does Ameren have all of Adair County? I believe they do have. And uh, they're kind of a big corporation that uh, uh, they do. They have recently installed the wind turbines in Adair County and it goes into Schuyler County and those are going to be Ameren owned. I don't know whether they've been purchased by Ameren yet, but that's in the process of purchasing them. As as Representative Walker said, uh, they are doing the uh, solar farm and so uh, but I think most of the power right now comes from uh, uh, the uh, 
nuclear plant down by uh, uh, down in uh, Callaway County, and so a lot of that power comes it's here. Crazy, from that. just driving through an old back road, and you turn the corner and you see this huge power plant, just bigger yeah. life, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Truman State University, I read it was what was the it was called a normal college, right? Truman University's probably had more name changes yeah. than any other <laughs> higher education facility. Northwest Missouri Normal School of Commerce. Yeah, that, that's where it started. And uh, my mother was a graduate uh, here uh, back in the... What's her diploma say? You know, I, I can't tell you for sure, but it would be like something like Northeast Missouri State, uh, North, Northeast Missouri College probably or something to that effect. I always know it as Northeast Missouri State, state Teachers College. Yeah. And then it was State University, maybe or State College. Yeah. And then it was, what, the 90s it became Truman State? Yes. Dr. McLean uh, uh, had worked to make this a liberal arts university. And uh, Jack Magruder, who is one of the most prominent people in, in, in Missouri. Would you say he, he reminds me of Cliff Smart, that Dr. Magruder was a special guy? Oh, he, he, he was a... You really scored well with him. I, I From an outside perspective, I just thought he... He didn't come off like an academic. He really came off like a go-getter. And a, he reminds me of Cliff Smart a lot, and how yeah. he, you know, Cliff has really moved Missouri State in a great way. That that Magruder, he just knew how to work the angles. Yeah, and even when Dr. Magruder retired, uh, he wasn't retired very long. He started doing some classes. He was a chemistry professor, and he started doing some classes uh, for Mobile Area Community College, which we have a campus here. And then uh, there was some trouble that A.T. Still was needing a new president, and so he went over there and was president there for several years. And, uh, you know, doc, uh, Dr. Magruder uh, is probably the one of the most prominent Democrats sure. in the in the state of Missouri. He's one of 100 squires and uh, very prominent, but uh, he's always treated me very fairly. And uh, when we talk about bipartisanship or or people being nice, I mean, there's not, there was never a person nicer than Dr. Magruder and his late wife, Sue, and uh, their family is, is embedded in this community. And the dental school that is at AT Still, Dr. Magruder had a big part in making that happen. And uh, Jay uh, Nixon was the governor at the time, and the co competition was pretty great. San Diego, California, Florida, other places were involved in Arizona. And uh, anyway, uh, Dr. Magruder figured out how to get the board to take Kirksville seriously. And uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California at the time, and he was working really hard to get that dental school mm -hmm. down in San Diego or wherever. I heard that when you graduate from, I guess you have a couple different degrees in the dental yes. school, you're placed right away. There's, there's zero... If you want a job, the day after you get that, you pass your boards or whatever, you got a job. Not yes. just the dentist. The other folks that work in the office, that, they, they'll, they'll place you that day. That's, that's, that's correct. And I had the opportunity to uh, be at the groundbreaking for the dental school, be at the first commencement uh, of, the, of the graduating class and, and uh, you know, attending graduation and so forth. In fact, one of my primary care doctors today, uh, I had to get a new doctor because my other doctor uh, retired because he, he got up in age and he wanted to retire. He's a graduate of, of uh, A.T. Still, uh, and uh, I went to his graduation ceremony. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of incredible. I wanted to get a young doctor, and, uh, and that's kind of incredible. But uh, 
Dr. Magruder uh, been influential in lots of different things throughout the state of Missouri, and particularly in this area. And you can just you can just keep naming people like that. Shag Grossnickel was uh, the guy that got wild turkeys reestablished in northeast Missouri, and uh, Harriet Beard was very important with transportation and other areas. Um, Mer- Dr. Ryle, I think, he was the longest president. Yes, Dr. Ryle, and, and there's Ryle Hall here on the campus. Um, so tell me, you know, whenever it was NBA, I see you wearing your purple shirt. Uh, how, how big of a sense of pride is it to have the Truman Bulldogs here? Well, I think it's great for the, for the area. You know, when they changed to, to the liberal arts school, I really wasn't really excited about that. I, I didn't think it was a wise move uh, because some of the local schools – don't have as many kids come here, but over the years as I've been involved with a lot of the students here, I, I really think it's a great idea because it brings some of the the greatest quality kids to this area. And if I'm not mistaken, you didn't like, I mean, I'm sure SEMO could reject you, but I don't think anybody gets rejected at SEMO. Yeah. This is a place you have to apply to get in. You, just because you apply to, to Truman State, you don't get in. Yeah, you have to have a good score to get and here. And you look back at Scott yeah. Sifton, Eric Schmidt. Uh, Lida Cruson. I mean, it is mm-hmm. a. I, I do personally, as if I know they don't have a journalism degree, they have a communications degree here. You, if you're a Truman State, then I'm. I'm. I, I interview every Truman State person. I've had such uh, terrific luck with Truman State people. I mean, it is a. If you're a Truman State on your resume, you're getting interviewed by me. If you send me a resume, if you apply for something. Every legislative intern that I had from Truman State University have done tremendously well. My first intern was Scott Sajak, and he's he's uh, he's an incredible. You know, he was he was kind of a funny little guy, you know, and and I, I used to give him a hard time because I was not too much uh, older than he was. But uh, I've got interns that are now attorneys, uh, doctors, but doing doing very well. And uh, all you have was Zajac. You'd have had a pretty good run of success coming out of your intern program. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't uh, need any more than that, really. I mean, he was he was uh, he was remarkable, and uh, I I used to working pretty hard and and uh, test him a little bit. Could I ask you all a favor? We we've, we've had such a good time visiting with Pinchard Time. Would you all mind to come back in a month or so and do a, a show just about AT Still and Truman? Sure. If you had time, I'll, I'll, we'll schedule. See what you do. Uh, it's almost its own show to get into AT Still <laughs> stories before we. Yeah. Uh, here we're, we're paying. So I'll, I'll, I'll finish up the question I'd love to ask everybody. First, I want to thank our sponsors, the Missouri uh, Farm Bureau, the Missouri Association of Electric Co-ops, and the Missouri Association of Counties. Let us come and talk about the history of Missouri in places like Adair County. Um, uh, Nate Walker, if you had someone come up, you had Todd Richardson come up. He took his co-op share Highway 67 up and met your co-op share Highway 63. Where would you take him here in town? What would you show him? Well, I was kind of, uh, Todd was here. Every speaker that was uh, ever uh, in the legislature during my last time uh, uh, came to Kirksville, and they didn't just come to meet me at Hardee's or, or McDonald's. I made them spend about four or five hours, and we kind of went everywhere in my district, but particularly in Kirksville, I made sure they were on the campus at Truman. They went over and saw A.T. Still. We drove around the square here in Kirksville. We went over to Novinger. We went uh, other places uh, in, in the community and so forth. But, you know, we're talking, Representative Music was talking about the economic opportunities here. We had Kraft Food, which is the Dare Foods, and uh, 
we had a kind of a blow early on because they were going to move. We had what was called a bacon uh, bazaar feast. Bacon yeah, and I was on that committee that started it. And we had it going really good, and everybody came. They got a bacon sandwich and everything, and then... And then they stopped making bacon. Yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> they quit making bacon there, and, you know, we were pretty devastated because we thought it was going to be the end. And then I met with uh, Senator Blunt's wife and some other people, and uh, Kraft made a big investment here and tripled the size of the building, and and it's a, it's a good place to work. And, you know, you, when you think of food supplies... And that sort of thing, sometimes you worry about, you know, how clean they are. But when you go to Dare Foods, it was it was like they're always cleaning and everything else. And uh, we produce lots of food uh, up here. And most of the pork that's, that's in these uh, units are produced in Sullivan County, Pubman County, Mercer County. And, uh, you know, so uh, this has been a really good, good situation. And, and uh, they've been good for, to the employees. And uh, they're involved in the community and do positive things. We, we need to have a craft fair or craft festival. Yes. You know, that way you're safe. Foods. No matter what they change, yeah. you're good. Because the bacon fest was very well attended. Yeah, we had, we had a queen contest and... and uh, Mr. Bacon running around. Yeah, there. Mr. Bacon running around. And we had a, a crown to a Miss you know, Sizzle and the whole works. It started all the drama with the Indians back in the day. That's right. you're, yeah, you're, that's exactly. Miss Hills, where would you show folks here in Indiana County? Well, you know, I tend toward the old, the things that are old, you know. I would uh, show them the cabin area first yep. and the cemetery and the and it's out there in the Indian mounds. It's mm-hmm. very plain that you can see. And if you go to Thousand Hills, you can go to the petroglyphs. And uh, then here in town, our most historic place is uh, the cemetery, you know. And we didn't really talk about Jesse Kirk. He was the one that Kirksville is named after, and he has a whole story. And he's buried out there. And uh, he had a very nondescript uh, tombstone that was unreadable and broken, and you were there yeah. when we um, got a new tombstone for him and said that he is the eponym of Kirksville, you know, yeah. Kirksville's named after, and put a little history on there about him. And Another thing that's folks. happening in Kirksville, in fact, today and tomorrow, is the National Guard Hall of Fame. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the Historical Society is the, the museum. is Temporary the, location for them. Right. How do you There's find the Historical thing. Society on the Internet? Pardon me. How do you find the Historical Society on the Internet? AdairCHS.org. AdairCHS.org. <laughs> Representative Busick, if you're going to have somebody come up here, and let's say he's going to get old Dan Houks and you've got him for the day, and you could maybe, you lost a bet and had to keep an eye on him for the day. <laughs> yeah, Where would you take job. him here in Adair County? <laughs> well, you know, North Missouri is some of the most beautiful ground in Missouri, and, and there's some beautiful scenery in Adair County. You go out, you go here west and go across the Sheridan River and go up the drive of 149 north of Novinger and drive up towards uh, Putnam County. You see some of the most beautiful ground, and you see that all up and down the Sheridan River. And, and it, just, it is a beautiful county. It's a good place. And th- like she was mentioning earlier, Thousand Hill State Park's a beautiful place, a unique state park, and, and they do a very fine job of keeping that up and keeping it going and keeping it active and a lot of people visit out there every year. I think about every year they set records for people attending out there and going visiting that park and so 
it's just a beautiful place in North Missouri. I, I guess that's why I've lived here all my life. I think it's a great place it to is, live. It is absolutely beautiful. And as this rural broadband comes in, I think it's, just, I think it's going to the first time you've let folks choose to move back home and live a life like maybe they got to grow up where before technology just kind of push you to town. It's, maybe that's changing with some of the stuff you'll be able yep. to do in the next few years in the legislature. Well, thank you all for the hospitality. Appreciate the folks. We are here at Truman State University in Baldwin Hall. Uh, we're going to talk about, I, there's just so much history in Adair County. These colleges are always stored. We're going to do a special show on them. And until we do, this is Scott Fon, the show in Missouri, the history of Missouri, one county at a time. We'll see you next week. Way down in Missouri, when I heard this lullaby, while the stars were blinking and the moon was shining high.